and the other pigeon was eating the dead pigeon. It was eating the dead pigeon from the cavity, like the, the chest, and it was like, there was red stringy things. I was like, God damn, holy shit, there's something about a pigeon eating another pigeon. This horrified me, and of course they eat other pigeons. I just had never seen it before. I've seen a hawk eat a pigeon, that's fine with me. Something about a fucking pigeon eating a pigeon. There's perfectly good burger wrappers lying around. Why are you eating one of your own kind? And do you know what that pigeon has been eating its whole life? Crack, cr- crack craps. Like, you're, this is not free rate. This is not healthy for you, pigeon. Anyway, uh, that's why they get all oily in the tenderloin. That's why they get all oily. They've got this, yeah, it, it's bad diet, and uh, it shows. Okay. All right. Stop for deaf. Okay, listen. Stop for deaf. What is that? Stop for deaf. Well, I mean, we all have to stop for death, right? Yeah, I know. I'm just attracting some dark ass energy tonight. Stop for death. Yeah, we gotta stop for death. I mean, we gotta like uh, go for life, though. I think more importantly, and we do that by stopping for death. I mean, I don't want to get too serious here for a second, but you know, you meditate on death every day, and then you live your life a little better. And I think that's okay. Yeah, there's almost nothing worse than maybe living forever. And so let's uh, let's make the most of Mutiny Radio here tonight. <laughs> Last pull. All right, it's a long one. Let's see what it says. I don't know anything about the affair with Pastor Greg. <laughs> Who's Pastor Greg? I definitely don't know anything about the affair with Pastor Greg. Here's the thing, though. If you're having an affair with Pastor, it's probably a good time, you know, because this guy is probably pretty tightly wound. I remember I lost my virginity uh, to, a, to a woman I met at the, the youth, uh, what, what do you call it? youth group, you know, in, in church. So, yeah, lots of people get freaky in church. That's why... A lot of people go to church to begin with. They pretend, but no, that's a place you get freaky. And, uh, and so Pastor Greg, you know, and whoever did the affair with him, I'm for it. I'm for it. Get up your host! Hey, Benjamin. Thanks for having me. Rolf Scar, everybody. Yay! He's back. He was on a long hiatus saving the world, but now he's back. It's a comedy, and we're excited. Your last comedian. You guys ready for your headliner? He is a gem, a joy of the San Francisco comedy scene. He is totally hilarious, and I have no idea what he's going to do with this basket, but we're going to love it. Everybody put your hands together for FC Sierra. I, uh, I, for one... Oh, oh, it's a sweater. (laughs) I don't know why I have to... I don't know why I had to correct you there. Uh, I had like a long time in my life, like when I was going to college, if I would like carry something that I was reading, people were like, oh, what you reading? I'd be like, a book. And I'd realize like in time, oh, I was an asshole. And I just didn't, I didn't know. But yeah, it says pyrotechnics for beginners. Uh, I'm not here to, to pump this brand. My girlfriend has like eight of these shirts. So uh, I've already contributed enough to that company's success, uh, I believe. Uh, happy to be here. I am also happy that Rolf is back in comedy. I think that's an honor. Yeah, it's great. I saw him, if you don't know what the OMG nightclub is, it's a very, uh, it's a very upstanding, very, uh, dirty homosexual, uh, bar. Like, it doesn't cater to clean homosexuals. You don't go there if you're, a, if you're a nice gay guy and you take showers every day. No, you don't go there. You go to another spot that's a little bit, like, nicer gay. But uh, 
Anyway, I was there at an open mic, and they happened to have that day. I don't know if it was just like they were planning on having it right in front of the the Dirty Gay Nightclub, but they had one of those uh, big buses that you could go and have like your AIDS test or your chlamydia or syphilis test in that thing. It's sort of like a bookmobile, but for AIDS. Uh, But they had one of those outside that club, sort of, I think, just catering to the clientele. And I saw Rolf uh, with his bike, and he biked past there. And I was like, oh, is that Rolf? And I I hadn't seen him in a couple years, so I got excited. And then he didn't acknowledge me at first. He kind of like turned and kept going, so I was like, oh, shit. I just busted in on him trying to go to the AIDS bookmobile, and now he's gonna have to enter the comedy game again just to cover up the fact that he wanted to get his free prophylactics. But, but obviously it's not that, so I'm happy about that. Cheers to Rolf. Difference between Catholics and Lutherans. Is that you, Pam? You know when like someone asks you a question enough and you're just like, I take that as a challenge uh, to a lot of things in my life. Obviously, I don't. I know that the the Lutherans were the people they they put the they put the paper on the front of the church. And they're like, hey, read this fucking paper, and people are like, well, they already gave us the Bible. That's like a bunch of words on that, and they were like, no, this paper's more important. Uh, and then they just made a religion off it, and apparently they don't have hell. I know that they don't have hell. Catholics. I was raised Catholic, uh, so you you learn about hell before you learn about heaven. Like you don't know anything that's going on good if you if you die. You're just like, oh, you want you're gonna go to hell if that happens. It's never like, oh, you can go to heaven if you do this. It's like, no, you're probably going to hell. Uh, but but you could do some good stuff for the church before then, and so that's nice. Service. Uh, Lutherans. I don't know. Like, I feel bad for the Lutherans, too, because, like, Jesus, most famous Jesus ever, right? Jesus, most famous Jesus ever, the founder of Lutheranism, uh, Martin Luther. He's not even the most famous Martin Luther anymore. Like, he doesn't even get to have that. He made a whole fucking religion. There's, like, 500 million people that have to go to the Lutheran church, and they're just like, you're not going to hell anyway. And they're like, why don't we even come here? But they still go. They're Lutherans. And then he doesn't even get to have the fame from being the best Martin Luther. Everybody's like, but he didn't even fuck like Martin Luther King did. It's like he didn't even have the extra stuff. Which is, by the way, uh, the coolest thing about Martin Luther King and Gandhi uh, is when you find out that they were also into a lot of sex. Because uh, it feels like it would be exhausting. I don't think about like peace and sex at the same time. And they had like enough of a multitasking mind that they were, it was like a dolphin. You know when they're able to stay awake because they have the two brains, they just switch to a brain and they're like, oh, peace, love, give me some orange juice. And then he's like, no, I want to sleep next to my niece. Gandhi, not Martin Luther King. Not Martin Luther King Jr. Not Martin Luther King Jr. Gandhi slept next to his niece. He says he didn't he says he didn't do anything. I've heard he says he didn't do anything. Still weird. just like the conversation with the niece too like even if they weren't having sex they'd have to be awake next to each other in a bed for at least 40 minutes before you fall asleep what do you talk about what do you talk about like what do you talk about with a 13 year old niece of yours like oh that's 
It was a great birthday party last week, wasn't that? Oh my God, what a pinata. Uh, they probably didn't have pinatas back in colonial India. Uh, or maybe they were filled with something else, just like, uh, you know, despair or whatever. But uh, it was generally not happy before he did his stuff. But he still slept with a niece. Like, he's still, like, I don't, it's like when you th try to think about what would Tom Hanks have to do for me not to like Tom Hanks anymore? I don't know if he could do anything. Like, I don't know if, if Tom Hanks came into this room and killed all of us, I'd be like, God damn, what did we do? It's like, I'd instantly, like, I'm gonna blame the victim in this situation because Tom Hanks is on my side. I know that it's, he's my Santa Claus. Uh, if I could just put cookies, he's a diabetic also, yeah. Tom Hanks, diabetic. <laughs> you know, that's almost as bad as sleeping next to your niece. But, uh, but so is my dad, diabetic, not knee sleeper. Uh, really, really got off track here. Uh, are your dreams boring? I've been wanting to talk about this for years, uh, but I didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do this in the guise of going up and telling jokes at a comedy show. So because it came out of that, Hell hat, uh, which is obviously named for that, because if you've ever worn that hat, you deserve to go to hell, for sure, uh, for the death of that fox and for the fashion. Uh, that's a double. I'm sorry, Pam. It's a lovely hat. I'm sure you look great in it. Uh, but I've been wanting to talk about my dreams for years. I have issues with my dreams. Do you have extraordinary dreams, ma'am? Really? Do you, ha do you remember your dreams? Do you smoke, like, too much weed, too? That's what my doctor said. He said, you smoke more weed, you remember your dreams less. And it's just like, well, I also, uh, if I don't smoke weed, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be feeling a lot more murderous just in general in my life. So in my day waking, I don't want to go angry. But, but I get dreams, too. Uh, and it's, uh, it's mostly, like, you know when people have dreams and they tell you about their dream? They're like, oh, I had a dream, uh, and I walked into this empty room uh, it, it was empty, but it was like a color. I can't describe the color. But it, people never describe, but you, you accept it in the dream. And I walked in there, and it was my dead mother. And, and it was amazing. And I got to talk with my dead mother for, for 15 minutes. And then the guy from Stranger Things came out, and he said, that's not your dead mother. This is a Tide commercial. And then you're like, wow, that's amazing. That's, wow, that, that's a weird, that's a, you got a lot going on in your life. Uh, but with me, it's just like, I'll have dreams where it's just like, I'm in the dream. You always accept that, like, if you're in a dream and you have fins, you're just like, all right, I gotta, I guess I gotta deal with these fins. You never like go figure out how to use the fins. You're already mid, mid fin. You never have to like, the first, the first 30 minutes of the superhero movie is already over by the time you're in the dream. Like you're already fucking Spider-Man. You don't have to have your dead uncle die or whatever or anything like that. So you gotta, you gotta be in that world and you accept it. And the only time, like I've had this dream seven times in my life where I am in my life I am in my regular, regular day, and cottage cheese doesn't exist. <laughs> I know this in my head, and cream 
and cheese. I've had both. I don't know what the difference is if, if I had a different body chemistry. Cottage cheese or cream cheese doesn't exist. I'm in the dream and I know this. I don't even ask. People aren't talking about cream. Oh, do you hear? All the cream cheese disappeared. What the fuck? We have to, we'll make a mystery out of this and then it's Scooby-Doo style. Not even that. It's just like, oh, it's not even like I come across a bagel or a can of peaches or anything like that. It's just, it doesn't exist. And then I go on with the rest of my day. It's not even good. Like, I've had dreams. One time I worked a double shift at my sandwich making, which when you're working a double shift, you want it to have meaning, not just double the sandwiches you made your previous day. Uh, so it's not really completionary, but I had a double shift at my sandwich making job I went and did comedy so I felt worse and then I went home and I fell asleep for eight hours where I dreamt an entire shift at my sandwich making job and then I woke up and I had to go to the next shift again like I worked four fucking shifts in like 25 hours I don't know how I and it was just it wasn't even like extraordinary sand oh god the, the toaster's burning everything today we gotta figure this no regular sandwich Enjoy this thing I make every day. Enjoy this thing that I make every day. Not, not extraordinary. Not extraordinary. And like, do you think Martin Luther, like, king, important one, uh, do you think he really had that dream? It's just, no, it's just like, if it, if it was like a dream, like he's making a metaphor out of it, and it's like, oh, I have a dream, sort of like I have a hope, I have a wish, I understand that. But if he really had that dream, he must have been like, like he, went, he goes down, and he, he goes to his regular life, and he just sees white people and black people and Chinese people, and they're interacting, and they're just being regular. And then he just dreams that for like three weeks, and it's just like fucking jump rope, somebody driving a car, and you're like, oh, how's it going, guy riding a car? And it's just a dude that looks different than you. And he has that for like six weeks, and he's like, God damn it, I gotta come up with something out of this thing. Uh, you know, everybody in there looked different. There was kids, and there was adults, and they were looking different, and then they were also living. So it's not like I had, it's not like a meaningless dream. It's actually something that I could base my quasi-religion on. Uh, and it's beautiful, and that's what we have now. That's America, built off probably a dream. <laughs> oh man! It says, or it says, oh wham. Or it says, oh ma, like a, like a fish gel. I'm sorry, Gene. You've mentioned being Asian. I was looking at Asian restaurant. Uh, I, I know you're Asian anyway, no offense. Uh, but you've mentioned uh, that you are Asian. I was looking through an Asian menu, the best Asian restaurant in Daly City. And in the Bay Area last night, they have fish mob, fish jaw. I don't know why I pointed at the one Asian person that I saw, but fish jaw, it's a thing. Oh, man. I, I just got myself into this position, didn't I? Oh, talk about oh, man. Oh, Fish maw. Why go through all that trouble? That's a great point. Uh, that's a great point thing that predicted what I was going to say before. Uh, but really, like, by the end of life, are you going to just hit the point and be like, I'm going to 
died when I was 27. <laughs> like, what, what was the whole point? Like, people, when they die, when they're, I'm already 28. Pass it up. Like, people, when they die, when they're 27, they're like, oh, goes on the list. 27 list. Uh, they could have been great, but not Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Mama Cass. Jimi Hendrix. Maybe Winehouse. 27. 27. Meanwhile, thing. really? You see, you got you get to be in that list. Even if you have no talent, people were like, oh my god, he had potential. It was just that three years left before he became 30 that he would have turned into something. And then you could just get to the end of your life. You could have kids that are already dead, and you have to watch all of that. And then at the end of it, you're just like, what was the fucking point of having that kid? Like, I had to watch it die, too. Like, I could have just gotten a good Tamagotchi or some sort of nano pet. Because uh, you get to go through a whole life cycle in that, and then you get a up oh, upkeep. Oh, what a reward. It's turning into something different. But you don't have to actually attend a funeral, because then you got to go to Costco and find a casket. Um, <laughs> discount, discount caskets. You have a very familiar face. Has anybody ever told you that uh, you look like your parents? <laughs> Just came up with that right there. Solid gold. You guys could use that in your regular life. Oh my goodness. Fish in a blender. Fish just coming up. I, I feel so wasteful every time I throw these on the floor. Uh, I'm one of those people that just keeps trash in their pockets. Uh, and then at the end of the day, I just go like this, and then I put it on my desk. Uh, and, and then I'm just like, okay, I'll leave this here for four days and then just wait for a complaint to come from up top, which is my girlfriend. Uh, just like, you wait for management to deal with the problem, then the menial workers can get the shit done. Uh, and that's how it is. It's just like, oh, yeah. Decision from up top. I don't, uh, something about fish. What was the fish thing? Fish, fish, fish in a blender. Fish in a blender. We really should have some uh, quality control on those. <laughs> <laughs> You're a turd, right there. It predicted that I was gonna be mean again, right there. You're a turd, which still hurts, still hurts. To this day, there's still words that could be said to you, like, sure, all the, all the top-level ones that you're not supposed to call anybody anymore. Uh, like, like, even stuff that was cool in high school is not cool anymore. Uh, and even if it was in between friends. And now, now you just got to call someone a turd. And that person has to feel like a turd. And you remember what turds were back in the day. Turds haven't existed since 1994. Like, everybody's been taking shit since then. But turds were something that came from a different era. It was like old shit. The shit that didn't have good fiber in it. The shit that struggled to get through the end of the... It was like uh, like Andy Dufresne in Shawshank. The shit that just had to come, like, swim through the... To get to the other side. Uh... And you never come up clean, but that's what a turd is. And then you don't want to be that anymore. And now like, I'd rather have someone just call me a worse word. <laughs> is comedy real art? <laughs> it's like, a, I feel like comedy, uh, especially in the way that we've all experienced it tonight, uh, is sort of like 
I'm not going to say just macaroni, but all pastas of art, uh, which is different as a visual form, pasta art, probably not so appreciated around the world, right? <laughs> like you see, like you see a nice fucking macaroni necklace that has like some real work put to it. And you're just like, wow, this is something I could, I could appreciate. I don't want it. Like, I don't want that to be for me. Of course I wouldn't want that looks fucking miserable to make, but that's a cool necklace. Like that's, that's the most comedy. It's just like, it's a passing. Hey, that didn't make me feel worse. And that's it. That's it. That's the best comedy can do. Like art. You could look, I, my old job, they had, they had a, a, a painting or it was a, it was a photo print of a painting, but that's, that's good enough for me. Uh, but they had, and it, it was, like a whole bunch of different old white guys and they were wearing tall red pointy hats. Maybe this is a famous painting. No, I don't know. And they were saying, go to this, go to this museum. I don't know any of the museums, uh, but go to this museum, look at this. And I was just staring at it in the office at work. And I saw it and I was like, that's stupid. It's dumb. I don't like this. I don't know why that's up there. I don't know why I'm right here, standing in this moment, looking at this fucking thing right here. What is it with my life that I am standing here having this thought about this thing that I don't even need to look at? Why did that guy have to paint any of this? <laughs> but that's part, that part's pretty nice. Uh, I kind of like the shape of that thing. <sighs> All right. Is this what feeling is? And then in that moment, you're like, oh shit, do I have feelings now? Am I a person? Did I just become a person by looking at that photograph of a painting? But with comedy, it's just like, wow, what a, what amazing spaghetti art you made. Uh, sure, I'll have it up on my wall because you're six years old and I don't want to make you feel worse about your life decisions, but it's fucking macaroni art. <laughs> and this is something that I do every day. So why go through the trouble? Uh, the last time I sexually harassed someone. <laughs> We'd have to pick categories. <laughs> Male, female. Human, non-human. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Like that's the that's that's the last six years. Like I, I haven't been too sexual out in public in my life, Pam. Uh, I'm not the type of person that sees another person's like I got something to say to them that somebody else hasn't said that's gonna make them like me. I don't have that. There's nothing. They have to come up to me. And then we have an awkward conversation for several times and then they have to Facebook message me like a week later and ask if we want to hang out. And I'm like, oh, they just want to be friends. I know that, that's the friend game. I know how it's going, but it, and then it evolves to a relationship. I've done that three times now, last six years. Um, so pretty much when I sexually harass, uh, it's usually people that are walking their dogs 
And it's not the people walking their dogs. I harass the dogs. I see a dog coming down the street. I'm like, look at that face. Ooh, you think you got a face going on there? Look at that shake. Look at that tail. Ooh, wagging that tail. Such a happy dog. And then I don't even make eye contact with the walker because I'm just like, I don't want them to think that this is me transmitting what I want to say to them to that thing that's furry. No, I'm, I'm feeling everything for that thing right there. But when you tell somebody... Like in front of the dog, in front of the person, like, oh my God, you're so much better than people. Then they know like, oh, he's not a sexual harasser. He's just kind of weird. And that's better. (laughs) Can't sexual harass online. I don't know what I would write. I don't even know how to say hi in a way that, like even hi, when, when you get to a certain point in your lack of confidence in your life, you realize that even high feels like sh- sexual harassment from you, like coming from you. Because I could say hi to a woman that I want to say a lot of other, I want other things to happen with that woman that I'm saying hi to. Uh, but at the same time, I know that I can't say anything else other than that high. Basically, this whole thing was me saying I'm innocent. Uh, So if anything comes up in the next five years, uh, anything comes up in the next five years, just remember, character witnesses right here. Uh, Well, he said he wouldn't do it, and he seemed genuine. He was sweating. Uh, Help me. All right. Which, more people should say that, just in life. Don't expect help, but... You know, when someone's like, hey, how's it going? Just be like, help me. <laughs> no, you all right, man? Help me. <laughs> no, I'm just like, uh, what's, what's going Help me. No, dude, I just like, I was, what do you, what do you need help? <laughs> me. <laughs> and then they walk away and they're like, hope that guy gets some help <laughs> and it's fine but anyway i'm gonna stop talking you guys have listened thank you very much i appreciate it keep your hands clapping for fc sierra and all the amazing comedians you saw tonight uh this was a lot of fun we have the hell hat every third friday of the month uh, the fourth Friday of the month is always Hell in a Handbasket, uh, which is a little different, but kind of the same. It's like chopped, but with baskets. Very similar to this, but also very different. Thank you, guys. Thank you, real audience people, for coming and laughing and listening to our jokes. And uh, come to the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, March 1st through 5th. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yay. Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? 
We'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> hey, everybody. Listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground Comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Yeah. Well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. 
It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base 10 times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, We've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Uh, every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot a bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening. We had a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shout. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Oh, yeah. It goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, yo, yo. few cannabis vape lounges Yo, Mike, Mike, yeah, that's good. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for yo, 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 yo. adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Hate Street at yo, 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 yo. Both locations are open until 10 yo, yo, yo. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. 
I love their, their variety of cheese and home decor items uh, and this of unique items that you can't find anywhere else. Their cheese section is insane. I love Rainbow Grocery because it's the number one grocery store to shop at when you're having a potluck and need to fulfill everyone's dietary needs. They don't have meat. Rainbow Grocery Cooperative, an amazing San Francisco staple since 1975. For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscope. Some, some more live on the air. Okay. You know, live music's always the best music. Cool. And now, Kelly Gordon. I'm just kidding. Why don't you sing? I don't know. I'll sing. You just, you just go ahead. Go ahead. You do something. We're going to have Albert on the uh, accordion. We're going to have Barb on the drums. She's just going to hit things. She, she can just, like, uh, play drums on anything. Say, so check it out. We got these. Uh, these. Okay, go ahead. I'm waiting. We're still waiting. Just play that fucking thing, dude. You take it to the give. Give me that. Give me that goddamn guitar. Give me that guitar. No, you don't want to play it. <laughs> All right. I should have just, just wailed this. All right. What, what song? Let's do a cover or something. Yeah. Let's do a cover. Standing here all alone. Little piggy gonna find something new. Gonna stop me now. I don't care anymore. Nothing gonna stop me now. Nothing gonna stop me now. I don't care anymore. Nothing gonna stop me now. Hey, pig. Things didn't work out like we planned. Hey, pig. There's a lot of things I thought you could help me understand. What am I supposed to do? Gonna stop me now. Don't care anymore. Nothing gonna stop me now. I don't care. 
nothing gonna stop me now. I don't care anymore. Nothing gonna stop me now. Well, there you go. Kelly, now it's your turn. That was Nine Inch Nails. It, was, it goes out to all you pigs out there. You know who you are. You could play anything. Hendrix, The Doors, one of your own things. You could just play some blues. Let's do some blues. That'd be cool. It's up to you. No, that was cool. Let's let's roll with that. It's so out of tune. No, it's just so in tune. Just just roll with it. Try, just try, baby. a piece of me when she goes oh fuck it dude you gotta play some rhythm there I can't sing over that shit I can't, I can't no, rhythm no you, you're, you're just as loud as I can do you're floored alright hey thanks for listening to Roxy Roller Radio Show if you wanna just play on your own though I'm gonna let you do that shit I'm gonna go uh, sample that merchandise and uh so just like play you wanna play anything you want you, are you just over it oh yeah totally you could play I'm just saying I just won't sing over it what you feel it yeah yeah you don't want to play? No, I do. Uh, I, not, not on that thing, dude. It's not too we should go like get the piano going, too. Let's get a jam going. What do you think? Yeah, that's perfect. All right. Oh, I guess I should play one more song, then. We in OT. We'll go walking with the beast, right? One of my favorite songs by Gun Club. Hey, Albert, that shit was fucking weird. What? You fucking... You, you, mm. <laughs> what the hell I just ate some that was LSD was oh shit it's hey good. it's good it's chill man yes. nice dreams okay yeah hey, I'm gonna I'm just, why isn't this shit working dude it sucks come on man oh here we go why isn't it working yeah I don't know this song should like this should hey, be can going I read these song we should have music off? going hey, this Rox, is terrible Rox can I read these song titles off yeah this, go for it so I found this Jimi Hendrix album right in the used section at Thrill House Records right and um I love getting the off stuff and you know they have legal problems with Jimi Hendrix and his you know the family and you know he signed all these bad contracts that's true so I have, I got this one it's like from Italy and it sounds like he's in like a lounge you can hear the glasses like cheering and sh- you okay. know whatnot. and it's cool like late at night but this one I found like Red House, okay. On side one, it's Red House. We, right. we know Red House. There's a Red House over yonder. But yeah. Do you know these rocks? Wipe the sweat. Whoa, a. Hey, I had go I, go shoes under the table. I think I have part that album. one, dude. Part one. Don't get don't get cocky. Part one, dude. I'm not, not getting two. cocky. I'm just saying I think I got that one. Side two, Groove Maker or Groove Maker, baby. Right. That's what Jimmy Hendrix would say. People's people. He, he beat a Groove Maker. Hey, rocks. You ready for Murderer's Row right here? You're from New York. You're from the Bronx, right? Yankees. Yeah, absolutely. You ready for Jimi Hendrix's Murderer's Row? You know, I don't think the Yankees, I guess, so what was that? Like Lou Gehrig and like uh, Babe Ruth. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. But you ready for Jimmy's on side two? People's, Why not? People's Peoples. I know blues, that song. Blues Blues. Lime Lime. 
and she's a fox. Dude, Jimmy's a poet. What can you say? I mean, I don't know. That's just like, he just mailed that in, but it's cool how it's like, whoa, A. Yo, you should check this thing out. Um, One song title, dude. There's like, uh, it's from 1965, I think, like before Jimmy kind of did it. And it's like these two guys dancing. They seem really happy. They like each other a lot. And he's like one of these backup guys. So I'm going to try to punch up that video. or I'll try to send it to you. But um, what were we going to play anyway? Oh. Uh, Play uh, some Jimmy, dude. That's cool. No, I put a Neon Lobster on. Okay, Neon Lobster. Bloody stunt, dude. Do it. Just sing it, turn around, dude. Yeah, I'll do it. No, that's cool. You know how to do it. No, the, the light went off. Okay, cool. Like this? Just do it. No, it's feedback again, That's dude. not it. That's not it. Come on, brother. You want me to? Oh, here, I've got it. Oh, sorry. My bad. There you go. What'd you do? I did that. Well, whatever. Good job. Yes, sir. Okay, cool. So we're gonna hear one more song because he did bring in this like lovely vinyl. So we'll just say we figured we'd play a little bit before we head out. Head out to the highway. We've got nothing to lose at all. That's cool. Industrial thing. All right, off, dude. dude. Yeah, turn off. There we go. Okay, cool. That's not it, huh? All right, this is a great band called Leftover Crack. Welcome to High Spirits. Another day's welcoming home. What do you want me to do to see you through? That was a little bit of American beauty there. Welcome to High Spirits. We are starting almost on time today. High Spirits, uh, your show that's ostensibly about sobriety and... What what, what was that word? Sobriety? The one before it. Ostensibly. What what does that mean? Like, presumably... uh, uh, What are you, you, a lawyer or something? Presumably, what's the other word? Ostensibly, apparently, it's apparently. You're going to talk to us with 25 cent words tonight, is that it? My co-host is here. Uh, Want to introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Pegasus. Pegasus, that's what. All right, Pegasus, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Pegasus, I'm your co-host along with Pegasus. My name is uh, Jay Quellen. Forgot for a second. You're here. You've joined us on High Spirits on MutinyRadio.fm. Sup, Jay. What's up, P? 
Um, it's just us in the studio today, which is actually a change of pace. Not such a bad thing. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a good opportunity to just riff. And uh, Pegasus and I, we ain't seen each other for a while, uh, a.k.a. a couple days. Um, a.k.a. Uh, yeah, so um, we got a lot of catching up to do. Plus, we got this awesome packed show for y'all. And yeah, we're going to, I have some ideas of uh, some conversational things. I'll throw them out there, just things that have been going on. And wanted to check in on <clears throat> some stuff I was up to uh, in the Tenderloin today. Uh-oh. And some observations there. Um, so, yeah, that's what's going on. Groovy. Such a long, long Just, uh, in a short time, oh. we'll be there. I never took you for a Grateful Dead fan. Oh, yeah, Deadhead. Did you go to concerts and nope. wear tie-dye and drop acid? And I have one Grateful Dead t-shirt that I bought on Valencia Street at San Fran Cycle. Get out there, y'all. San Fran Cycle, support it if it's still in business. I don't even know if it's San still in Fran business. San Fran Cycle. San Fran Cycle in this case. Yes, there's San Fran Cycle too, which I think is uh, like a clothing brand or something that also made a beer in conjunction with uh, the brewery uh, Anchor Steam. Yeah, it's like one of those Dolores Park kind of you know t-shirt places like oh okay yeah san Fran francisco is on dolores uh, on valencia around 20th street i think it's near the chrome uh retail store and they design and produce all their shirts in san francisco and they're all about bicycle themes so <clears throat> the dead shirt that i have that i love to wear is uh has a has a bicycle wheel with its spokes in the in the head the ske- the the skull in the skull. Whoa! So um, they make that all kinds painful. of bike related apparel. They even have apparel for like babies and two year olds and stuff. Um, I mean, are babies old enough to you know properly make that decision, baby. or are they being indoctrinated into the life of a deadhead? Aktung baby. <laughs> Homage to those of you who listen to. A certain podcast. Um, Pegasus, wait, what? What? What did you say? What, what? Homage to babies or... I have no idea what okay. you're talking about. All right. So San Francisco psycho, cycle. But um, yeah, I love the dead. And uh, I think we talked about this. Uh, yeah, we talked about it a couple shows ago that there is a community of sober uh, deadheads that emerged right when the band, you know, was doing their thing, having all these concerts and all the followers and stuff. And they're, they're called the Wharf Rats, and they have a sober corner, sober circle at every show. And they have their own meeting in San Francisco, actually. Um, I've so, been, have you? Oh, yeah. I, I, I have, actually. Well, I can say that I actually spoke at it once. That was the first time I ever went. Nice. And I, and I did go again, and very friendly, and a lot of dead tattoos and stuff like that um so interesting yeah if you're and some of that old time religion oh yeah but this is like like the dead (laughs) religion um the religion of the dead yeah people are like uh i'm a wharf rat you know this and that i i think it's cool it's it's cool um there's also oh that's that's a topic um or that relates to something that i was talking to 
my sister about the other day, or she brought it up. She sent me an email. Um, actually, let me sit down. Um, give give us a second, folks. I'm going to put some music on while I get a chair here. Get back to the dead. Friend of the devil. First one say she got my child, but it won't run back. I said I'm running, but I took my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just can't get some sleep tonight. <laughs> Hey y'all, we're coming back at ya. There we go, sitting down. You can control it from there also. Sitting down, learning the, learning the mixer from Pegasus, who is, has a very high aptitude for the sound stuff in here. It. Yeah, it's all stems from Dane Bramage. <laughs> cool. So, uh, all right, welcome to High Spirits, 10, 11 p.m. If you're up this late and listening to us, uh, I don't know what you're, what you're doing on a Friday night, you know? Well, hopefully you're uh, stone cold sober, had a nice dinner, but maybe you plan to go out dancing, you know, at the Midway or something like that after midnight. I don't know what y'all night owls are up to, but speaking of night owls, I did, I was sort of thinking about Pegasus, about uh, sharing today a little bit about um, all the kinds of uh, fun things that I slash you slash we do and that people can get up to um, in the mission, you know, that... Oh. Where you know I'm not I'm not drinking anymore and I have so much fun I've my uh, my whole uh, sort of social life is really the gravity has been the Mission District for 15 years basically whether or not I lived in San Francisco and still come out every weekend when I lived in other parts of the Bay Area so I was just thinking about how much fun I've been having at different places, venues, um, spots, restaurants, and with friends in the mission. So I was just sort of thinking about, hey, well, I'm having all this fun not drinking, you know? It's a place that one can go. I mean, I spend 98% of my non-home, non-work time at in the mission. Um, yeah, exactly. There you go. I go to meetings there. I meet friends for food and coffee there. It's... Uh, there's a lot of the entertainment I go to. I, I go to the Roxy, Alamo Draft House, uh, various other cultural institutions, and it's all right there. Um, my neighborhood, not as much attraction there, so I'm I'm here all the time. It's great. It's the um, heart of San Francisco. And <clears throat> sort of, I suppose, a little bit on the edge maybe a little right off the edge of the mission. Um, speaking of like night owls and getting up to fun stuff last night, I was up late and needed to 
just sort of felt like I needed to eat something, even though I don't even know if I was really that hungry. That's first world problems. Um, And I was, you know, there's no late night eats in San Francisco. There's nowhere to go. I mean, it's completely unsurprising when a restaurant closes its door at at 9 p.m. Yeah, exactly. You guys know, right? Unless you're in Australia or something. Yeah. Um, Or Mozambique. But, uh, yeah, stuff closes really early. You know, really what I recommend to people would be Beretta um, at, I think, 23rd in Valencia or Nopa, which is open, or Chez Mama. And those places close, like, uh, maybe... 11 midnight one o'clock two o'clock depending on the uh the day like thursday friday saturday or which restaurant but definitely open much later than your typical restaurant and the quality of food there is very high so it's not like going for some junky pizza or uh you know no offense to taquerias but i've eaten tons and tons and tons but uh those are always good spots too good value but I did discover this place. I wonder if you know it, Pegasus. It's called It's Tops Coffee House. It's Tops. It's on Market Street. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Have you been there? Oh, many times. Oh, there you go. I mean, it's, it's my great. new jam. I mean, well, I hope it's my new jam. Like with, I suppose, really like my one friend who I would be hanging out with late at night, bullshitting, looking for a donut shop, like. We would, we would be going to Bob's or Happy Donuts. Happy Donuts is depressing AF. Bob's is great, but it's not really a place to like hang out. Um, but this it's tops place. Yeah. I've driven by it for many, many times and I didn't know what it was. And I went in, it's a beautiful little diner. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I got, I got some of the best pancakes that I've ever had in my life. Honestly. I mean, it's a great breakfast place for sure. All all night breakfast. Um, Old school. It was eggs, o- to, eggs over yeah. easy sausage. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I had a malted vanilla shake and pancakes. Yeah, that's me, guys. <laughs> um, I do not cook, but uh, it was super tasty. The service was really great. Nobody was in there. Uh, they were just just. Uh, Flipping tiddlywinks, um, and they're they're open till all hours. They said aren't three a.m. last night, but I think on the weekend weekends I think they're open super late, and they said they get really busy when the bars close. Yeah, um, but you know, really good reviews, and uh, my my gut tells me that the food quality is pretty high for the greasy spoon. Um, so I'm definitely going to go back, but uh, it's tops. I was just cruising around. Everything was dead. And I suppose on a Thursday night at one thirty, I mean, even the, yeah, the bars are closing. So there's really nothing to do. Nope. Except, uh, go out for pancakes, go out for pancakes on a Friday Um, night. Yeah. Um, but, uh, back to, uh, the dead wharf rats thing. Um, that group that we have, we talked about briefly before, um, that is, as I mentioned, the Wharf Rats are the a sober um, community of of deadheads. And um, my sister sent me a really interesting email about uh, Straight Edge. 
Pegasus, do you know about straight edge? Just the term, or is there a group? Yeah, it's, yeah. So, well, yeah, tell me. I mean, so there's a term. What does straight edge invoke for you? What does it mean? To, what do you think it means, or what does it mean to you? Or have you used it, or has anybody ever called you straight edge? Yeah, I've mostly heard it um, from, you know, people in their teens or 20s who had, uh, you know, had a bad experience with drugs or alcohol, kind of crashed and, you know, got in trouble with their family or the police or both. And then they, I, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really aware of, you know, programs at the time. So all I just know is that they kind of like made a vow to themselves to be straight edge, to be sober. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like they would make jokes about, you know, etching the word straight edge on their, their forehead or something to remind oh, themselves. Oh yeah. And so you do. Okay. It's like a really hardcore kind of associated with the, with the punk scene, but I, I hung out with, okay. you know, in the punk scene. That's it. You hit the nail on the head. That's what, uh, she sent me information about straight edge, um, where it came from connection to the punk scene. So, uh, <clears throat> straight edge, uh, sometimes signified by XXX or X is a subculture originated from hardcore punk whose adherents refrain from using alcohol, tobacco, and other recreational drugs in reaction to the excesses of punk culture, subculture, just like the Wharf Rats, I think, in the dead culture. I wonder what other musical communities, like maybe the classical music community has has a subculture of uh, acid trippers, you know, right? Like in response to how sober and stuffy all the classical music listeners are. I could totally be wrong. If you're a classical music listener and you're wild and you have insights, please call us at 415-550-0511. Set me straight. Uh, you don't have to implicate Pegasus in this judgment. Um, cla- I do think classical music people are so straight edge. I, I think you will discover soon that, that you are completely wrong. So I uh, just, the, the final thing is the term itself, straight edge. I had no idea, um, was adopted from the 1981 song straight edge by hardcore punk band, minor threat. Maybe we can oh, yeah. throw it on, um, and wait, yeah, what? what am I wearing tonight? Oh yeah, what do you? Minor threat. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> this is insane. That's a, hey, that's a coincidence god if I've ever seen one. Oh, no, that's a god oh, no. shot if I've ever oh, seen one. No, don't what go good there. orderly direction? Um, <laughs> that is unreal. Pegasus is wearing a t-shirt with funk, punk bands, including Minor Threat. Minor Threat. I'm blown away. Um, yeah. Could we cue up the the song? Um, any at some point, like it doesn't have to be now, but well, just be good to have a musical interlude at some point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll play it when we take a break uh, at, at your discretion. Sure Minor enough. threat. Um, San Fran cycle, Grateful Dead bicycle spoke T-shirts, and my co-host Pegasus wearing the minor threat shirt as we're discussing the straight edge movement. So <laughs> they coined the term straight edge, and growing up. Yeah, people talked about it in in grade school, middle school, probably more in middle school and high school. Like, oh, you're such a straight edge or um, really like that. People calling me straight edge. And I was a prep preppy guy. You know, Um, I was straight edge, but I I I did listen to um, some mainstream punk music. Um, Hey, does anybody remember the album Punks and Drublick? I don't even know if punk people consider that a punk punk band. Um and uh but 
Yeah, so people called me straight edge because I tucked in my sweaters and I got straight A's. But I had no idea, no one ever intimated or or suggested to me, my peers, that straight edge came from, uh, was a punk subculture of sobriety. I didn't even know it was associated with sobriety. I thought it was like like get, being a goody two-shoes. Well, I would say that in addition to, you know, being all fuck you to authority and and society in general, they were probably also fuck you to the sober community of Alcoholics Anonymous. You think so? Yeah, because that, that would also be too, you know, Straight goody two shoes <laughs> and square okay. to them. So they had to pick their own name for it. Yeah. And they, they ha- it had to be punk. It had to be, you know, fucked up in some way, um, you know, like, like you had to be completely straight edge and if you even smoked you know took a puff off of a friend's cigarette um you you had broken your your straight edge yeah actually to to that point there was a counter counter movement that emerged called bent edge and bent edge is that person who felt it was okay in the punk scene of straight edge subculture to um take that drag off the cigarette Take that occasional puff. Also, I just wanted to mention that there was a strong association with um, the subculture of straight edge, even with you know participants or adherents to vegetarianism and animal rights and veganism and stuff like that. So that was fascinating to me. You know, I think of punks. I mean, I have some familiarity with the music or I had some friends who were maybe into that scene. Um, I can't really say that I'm too expert at it but i do somehow associate punks with like skinheads and intolerance and i don't know why that is where does that come from american history x is that where i saw that oh fuck you yeah um but i love i mean there's uh, yeah there's been great punk music that i've heard such as bad brains american history x came for a pretty long time after the punk where was the sex pistols punk uh, Sex Pistols. Um, oh, the Ramones. The Ramones. No, yeah. I mean technically, yeah, they're they're kind Jackie's of pop, poppy. Jackie's a punk. Judy's a punk. They even say punk. They, <laughs> they're pretty pop music. Okay, uh, that's compared, what it is compared with is, like hardcore um, punk. Is Blink One Eighty Two punk? What <laughs> is? Uh, Fuck you, uh, man. Rancid is punk, right? Uh. Yeah. Not really. Oh, jeez. Never really checked them Man, out. It, have I been living a lie? <laughs> a big straight edge lie. P- punk existed from like, I don't know, the mid 70s until like 1981 or 82. And everything that came after that, they're all oh, posers. Post punk. They're posers. They're, you know, like Green Day. Come on. That's just a rock band that's posing. Well, that's alternate. Alternative. Alternative. You wouldn't believe how many people have said, oh, yeah, I'm into punk. I listen to Green Day. And, and Offspring, I'm like, too. Fuck you. I think people would say Offspring. They're like, oh, yeah. But. That reminded me of, yeah, so so basically, the other runts in the litter, the other kids I was growing up with, like the skaters and stuff who called me, well, they're not the only ones who called me straight edge, but it was it was wrong it was it was hey, not, straight edge it was not used correctly because I'm not in the punk scene, <laughs> so I was getting called straight edge for no good reason, maybe they're just kind of generalizing it yeah. to to say that you looked straight oh yeah a lgbtqr code um (laughs) as opposed to oh boy that's a whole thing i listened to uh 
the new Dave Chappelle Netflix special, which I think is like people, I think, have found it to be very controversial and offensive. Uh, and I will say that I really enjoyed it. And there is a whole thing about the LGBTQ community and stuff like that. And I went down the rabbit hole of like, what do all the letters mean? And um, then I discovered that today, the most comprehensive thing that I saw was LGBTQQIAA+. That was the most, that's currently the most comprehensive. Most inclusive. Um, yes. Before, you know, let's say it was just G or something, right? Or Q. And here's what I learned. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, um, queer or questioning, QQ. People have been um, using just the one Q and meaning questioning or meaning queer. This is what I read. And um, anecdotally from other people that I know. So QQ, double Q. Double Q. I is intersex. Mm -hmm. And A is asexual. And the other A is something else. But, oh man, in that I'm not including some other things such as pansexual, panromantic, aromantic. There's so much stuff. I saw somebody on um, Hinge the uh, today that came up uh, and... Um, the, the, there was something new and, and very timely, uh, having researched this, uh, the, uh, all this stuff post Dave Chappelle controversial comedy set, um, where he talks about, you know, the LGBT community. He says it's like the alphabet people or something like that. Anyways, I wanted to get more educated on, um, what they all mean and how people like self-identify and stuff like that. Well, that's cool. That's a, that's a, that's, I think that's a smart thing to do. I mean, there, there. It's hard to be right about it all the time, but it's good to be just you know be open and uh, have an open heart, because um, you know a lot of people from communities of uh, you know from the queer communities, communities of color, they they're, they don't feel welcome. They don't feel like the the world is necessarily open to them and. I think it's good to throw a little love their way and, you know. Oh, yeah. The other uh, one of the A's that's thrown in in the comprehensive one is ally. Oh, Asexual ally. ally. Mm. I, I was surprised. So that was oh, thrown that in the sense. mix. And the plus is like for everything that hasn't come out yet or hasn't been covered. Um, and uh, I will say so on the heels of that, Dave Chappelle, followed by going down the rabbit hole and learning about what the quote, you know, the community or the movement, you know, on the web is uh how how it they're representing themselves um maybe officially or branding or whatever and then on the hinge profile this person had a comment about a romantic pansexual so this person was um you know said that they're looking for looking for love a pansexual a friendship and an a romantic I don't know man I was no confused. attachments I was confused they want they want sex with everybody with no attachments I don't know good for them no 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 they were ace okay asexual pan romantic I don't know anyways so sue me folks um 
So, yeah. So, yeah, lots of different things. And then on the on that topic, you know, connecting it to sobriety, um, there is uh, there are uh, meetings, all kinds of meetings out there, men's meetings, women's meetings, um, young people's meetings. And we meant the aforementioned uh, deadhead meetings, the wharf rats. And uh, there's uh, all kinds of meetings. Um, and also there are gay meetings and there's places where um, people who are you know identify as gay or perhaps you know other members of the lgbtq community have safe spaces and, and interest affinity groups around meetings and i've gotten to attend um when i when i was exploring the san francisco scene um meeting scene i uh i definitely put a lot of i i, I went to um um one of the fellowships in the castro and and uh tried out all these different kinds of meetings including uh gay meetings and it was cool yeah it's not not in my repertoire these days but did you feel welcomed yeah yeah over i mean my the short answer is yes i think that um and you know i guess i mean I suppose, I mean, I identify, yeah, I identify pretty straight edge, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, that doesn't mean what you think it means. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're just mixing malapropisms, just mixing stuff up, anachronisms, malapropisms, but, uh, I did overall. Yeah. I felt it was welcoming. I thought there was a lot of cool insights. I mean, dude, we're all, we're all human beings. And, but, uh, of course there's unique stuff in uh different lifestyles and experiences and romance and all that kind of stuff and i there were definitely things where i didn't feel as uh didn't feel that some things were as relatable but a lot but i think mostly it was the kind of topics and things that came up were very familiar and relatable and it's all part of our broader community so it's you know it's it's just another meeting but it's really cool that there are all these interest groups in fact um yeah well um yeah so yeah it's uh there's there's meetings for everybody um in this town I- including uh well AA is known for being very uh you know very much about uh having a higher power and there are meetings for people who don't have higher powers yeah. and that's a good thing yeah there's meetings in spanish there's oh, meetings yeah. in uh there's a i think there's a croatian meeting um or yeah uh anyways there there are meetings in a variety of different languages there's um meetings for people of color there's meetings for um, right for gay folks, for lesbians, for people who want to meditate, for people who are Buddhist. Um, there's refuge recovery. There's life oh, ring, yeah, smart which is recovery, yeah. smart life recovery. recovery. Life ring, which is I guess sort of a cognitive behavioral therapy that comes with a workbook and stuff. And it's all there's a lot to choose from here, and that's really kind of remarkable. I yeah. guess it's what you'd expect in 2019. Oh, yeah. That there's uh, just a lot to choose. You know, there's a, a it's a big smorgasbord. You don't have to go with the one size fits all AA, um, you know, prescription of you know go to traditional meetings and uh, you know and stick with that program. You can choose what works for best for you. 
and and you don't have to worry about whether other people will judge you for it because you'll be doing your own thing um thanks for sharing about all those yeah there's a lot of i mean um yeah all the different ways i was i just subjected one of my friends uh to well my roommate um who's a good friend um to just i just was we well we were in a discussion maybe i wasn't torturing him but he he was a willing participant in and like hours long discussion about recovery and the program and my experience and other people's experiences and just all kinds of stuff and i mean he's a normie and uh we've talked about that normal people are not addicts and alcoholics <laughs> but uh and have like a healthy relationship or just a low key relationship with that stuff but um so it was uh, really in depth and actually um, super cool. Some some cool things ca- came up. Um, my mom says, "Do not repeat one thing too many times. Just make sure and remember." Am I repeating myself? <laughs> That's um, she's listening. I think and- between the two of us, we've <laughs> gone back and forth oh. over some of the same territory a few times. Oh, yeah. that's what she's saying. Normies and Grateful Dead. Oh my God. She's such a, she's an avid listener and she's checking me right now. On- One of these days we're going to work up an agenda before we sit down in front yeah. of the microphones. Yeah, we will. Um, and, but just wanted to, yeah, this is like a stream of consciousness today, but, um, yeah, today talked about, we got into talking about, you know, does it work for everyone? How does it work? What else is out there? So, yeah, I think uh, my, I was talking about uh, rehab became a big point, a focal point of the conversation. And I was sharing with him about all this stuff I've learned anecdotally about rehab. And um, I don't have any experience with it, but inevitably in the rooms and, and in this journey, in this wonderful journey of sobriety and recovery, um, you people have had experiences in uh, rehab facilities, whether they are community-based or private organizations, you know, nonprofit, for-profit, whatever. And um, I definitely have... A, I have a mixed feelings about the industry and um, all the offerings out there. And I was expressing that and he was like, hey, you know what? A lot of what you're saying and talking about was co- is covered in a in one of the John Oliver a late night. Uh, John Oliver, uh, you know, he has some show on HBO. Oh, right? He's that guy with the uh, the fake British accent yeah. who claims to be from Great Britain. Yeah, I guess so. And was on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, um, actually. Oh, is uh, that show still produced? I, I don't know. I think they did a season nine or eight. I don't know if it's gonna. they're going to come out with another season. But um, so John Oliver did a really great. I hope you guys, if anybody's listening out there, <laughs> I hope uh, you guys will go look up on YouTube just look up the keywords John Oliver Rehab. And, you know, he he pulls all these um, stories from, say, Vice or 
uh, Frontline and all these interviews that other people have done. And he, you know, he's really, it was a critique. I mean, it's an understatement to say that he was providing a very strong rebuke and critique of what is an unregulated industry. So some of the fun facts he threw out was that there were 14,500 rehab centers across the United States. So, and that it's grown very rapidly over the last 10, 15 years. Um, and that the industry is a $35 billion industry in the country. Dude, we're totally missing out on this with what we know. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) unfortunately there are these traditions in, in the program that prohibit, prohibit us presumably from making a profit off of, um, Oh, Pegasus just passed me my LaCroix. And by the way, thank you, Pegasus, for getting me tots and ketchup <laughs> from our favorite spot. And they're ex- especially crunchy, even though they're at room temperature now. Yeah. They're even crunchier than, than when they're hot out of the fryer. Well, that's because we dipped them in shellac before oh, we brought them excellent. over. Oh, yeah. excellent. Lacquer. Lacquer. Um, oh, on that note, I got my first mani-pedi in my life uh, in, in, uh, in the neighborhood. Oh, last week when I was off for Labor Day weekend, uh, it just mentioned that because I think they put a clear coat or shellac or something on people's nails. And I was like, they asked me sort of with some trepidation and I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. I'm going to just go with, uh, no, no, uh, uh, veneer or, uh, shiny, whatever. So what you're telling us, you went all the way to the brink and then you said no, went to the brink. Um, so Thirty-five billion-dollar industry, and unregulated, and they really focused on all the unscru- unscrupulous operators out there, um, citing they they invo- um, showed us. You could just gotta go and watch it, but uh, advertising, yeah, yeah, we could play it, but it's a twenty-minute segment. Maybe if oh, we run yeah. out of things to do, yeah, we could play towards the end. Yeah, yeah, just the audio. Yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. If we decide to end early, we can just play that as our outro. <laughs> um, but uh, I have a tater in my hand right now, and I really just don't want to stop talking and just eat it. I'm salivating. But um, I'll just I'll just say that uh, the the rehab thing um, it it confirmed a lot of stuff that I had learned or gleaned anecdotally from compatriots. And through um, work I've done, I think, you know, there's this whole thing called H&I, Hospitals and Institutions, and it's where you bring meetings into, not rehabs per se, I don't really know, maybe they do, but but to, no, actually, it's like to uh, veteran VA run meetings, uh, state prisons, federal prisons, recovery homes that are related to um, maybe some government related uh, diversion program or something like that. So mm-hmm. anyways, um, uh, what he cited, like all these interviews with all these people who came across as major douchebags that own these rehabs, like in Malibu and LA and, and, and that charge $70,000 one place, uh, apparently charges $70,000 per month. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. And offers like you know, he was, he was poking fun at things like equine therapy, I don't know, hydrotherapy, um, you know, yoga, all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, all this stuff, I'm sure he was saying so many things can be therapeutic, but are they coming from an evidence-based, you know, approach? 
Um, and, you know, that's a whole, perhaps a whole other topic because, you know. Are you saying you would turn down uh, a, a hands-on prayer healing? Prayer healing? Would you? Uh, do they do that? I, I would assume it's out there having grown up uh, in a community that offered that sort of mm. thing. I'm, I'm, I would not be surprised to find wow. that there's a rehab yeah, center sure, that, right. that's faith-based. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Then Let me Google that for you. They actually didn't talk about the, uh, the faith-based side, but, but basically they really, they really focused on these douchebags running these $70,000 rehabs. That's and, like two and a half grand a day. And I mean, that's, that's more expensive than my habit was. Jeez. <laughs> Dude, I mean, that's. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, they're talking about no standards, uh, no clinicians involved, um, no regulation. Also that, you know, what are the motives? You know, there's a profit motive um, and that, you know, maybe even there's there may be insidiousness in some rehabs to want people to relapse and come back and spend another thirty forty thousand dollars on rehab and it got me thinking about in this conversation with my roommate what a desperate position that we're in you know and this ad comes on for a rehab and it says why haven't you called us here's our toll-free number you need to come here we'll we'll help you solve your um, alcohol and addiction problems and um, I mean I was thinking wow what a desperate situation if I was sitting there and I was just just down and out, you know, I don't know, suicidal or crying or whatever, just hopeless. And I saw that and I called them and like, I really don't know what I'm getting myself into. Um, and then as a, as an exercise, I was just thinking about, um, how much money am I spending in the program? (laughs) You know, right. Well, so not not a lot of money compared to $70,000 for 30 days. (laughs) And what I, what I came up with, okay, I, I, I will or won't go into the details, but okay. I'm just, I'm just saying somebody who came in and has, has stayed or has, is, you know, sober for 30 years by my estimate has spent a maximum of $7,500 through through, uh, you know, a seventh tradition of, I'm, here's what I was assuming. $1 a meeting, five meetings a week, 50 weeks a year for 30 years, plus a $10 big book. The big book costs $10. Okay. But now I want to, I want to have some caveats. I'm not saying that we're in an evidence-based, you know, program. And I have researched PubMed periodically to try to understand um, I don't really concern myself too much with it, but I am interested in, in learning about, you know, um, you know, doctors refer people to AA judges in courtrooms, refer people to AA rehabs, refer people to AA, the Salvation Army refers people to AA, you know, and it's sort of like, you know, what is, what else is out there? And it's like, um, I know I'm all over the place, but it was just very exciting. Therapy is super important. You know, it, oh, sorry, it was important for me. I'll say that, mm-hmm. um, cognitive behavioral therapy, anger management, um, mindfulness meditation, Vipassana specifically, um, AA, um, all of this was like a full court press. I wasn't just doing one thing and man, that shit saved my ass, you know? And yeah. 
Yeah, and therapy was a big, big part of it. And I guess I would just through this whole conversation with my roommate and watching the John Oliver thing and thinking about the controversies that I feel in my heart about the rehab industry. Um, and, uh, and, you know, again, Hey, if any, if anyone has experience with that and is listening to us or has any comments, you know, call us at four one five 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 zero zero five one one and tell us about your rehab experiences. Maybe we should have somebody on, um, that has rehab experience. I figure I've spent about three grand over the past six years. Um, I, I tend to put a little, well, oh, like six, you're three, generous, like three or four bucks, uh, per meeting. Um, so I, I Googled, uh, re- faith-based rehab mm. and first the ads come up and, um, I won't call out the names of the centers, but I'll, uh, I'll read some. Hey, of why their... not free speech radio? No, it's your, your choice. No, I don't want to yeah. be connected, you know, oh, or have them calling us or it's not Thank like a, you. an endorsement or anything. You're so right. Pegasus. Yeah. So, uh, get this on the, the very first ad, it says same day admission is possible. Drug and alcohol rehab center in somewhere in California. Our location and exclusiveness is hard to beat. Maximum of six clients per resident. What does that mean exactly? Six six clients in a hacienda? Like, do you get your own separate? Oh, private rooms, cell and laptop friendly, licensed and accredited, whatever that means. Luxurious private rooms. How licensed nice. and accredited? I wonder what that is. Insurance verification form to fill oh, out. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what John Oliver was talking about, too, is that he said that I look forward to digging in, into all of this, but I'm taking him at his word, folks, right now. And he said that under the Bush administration, that there was a lot of, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but policies instituted to get insurance companies to cover uh, rehab-related expenses. And um, and then that was extended under Obama as well. This is what John Oliver said. So then he got into the whole thing about milking insurance or bilking insurance. And also he got into this whole thing about how much... P-testing urine cups, urine analysis makes for for rehabs. Um, there's this whole market with the testing companies, and they're oh, making yeah. a ton of money. And, you know, anyways. Uh, it's yeah. absurd. It's uh, a, like just to get P-testing done here in San Francisco, it, it can, you know, you can spend $100. Wow. I, I think there's like bulk plans. But what's the... The, for me, the greatest cliche that comes to mind when I think about rehab is is a, t- a television cliche, a trope of, you know, the the wealthy, uh, yeah. you know, kid from a family who's got his cell phone and he's ordering up coke and weed, you know, while while he's you know getting somebody else to pee in the cup for him and. You yeah, know, some Laguna Beach, something. Totally. It's like a, you know, it's just sort of like a vacation, a freewheeling vacation for the wealthy. I, I do agree that that's like. a stereotype and a, and a prominent media representation. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine that there's people who go to a rehab and they get a lot from it. Like, Oh, yeah. I don't want to completely trash it. And I would love for somebody to call in and share about their positive or negative experiences we do meet a lot of people in meetings in the bay area who come from rehab centers Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of um i think state funded rehab centers and you know like uh, insurance funded and so these are for people who couldn't afford seventy thousand dollars for 30 days of 
of rehab. These are people who, you know, desperately needed the help mm-hmm. and their Medi-Cal plan covered it or their, you know, whatever Ob- Obamacare insurance plan they had covered it. And and some of them show up and they get it. They get the idea of, of, of sobriety and, and, you know, doing whatever particular program they're doing and they you know and they keep coming back and some of these people have stayed in for years um, oh sure it's really nice yeah it's sort of like i think probably i can only imagine that one thing quote we would say in the community is like well whatever brought you in and whatever's working for you that's probably within um some ethical guidelines and doing no harm to other people and improving yourself like whatever works yeah. um yeah but i was thinking that uh I can only imagine that I, I, I'm just going to venture a guess that most of these rehabs or sober living experiences are 12, influenced by the 12 step programs or 12 step based. I mean, I've definitely seen that they encourage their clients, participants, members to go out to meetings, you know, get get slips signed, things like that. So so they are putting some faith in stock in the program. And I, I've also seen in my limited experience going in to do service work that, uh, there are counselors like LCSWs, licensed, uh, something social workers, social workers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and MFTs and, and <clears throat> other people who are encouraging that as well and offering, I think, counseling and therapy and other supportive services. Uh, yeah. Um, but I, I also heard, I mean, I don't know. I've just like, I suppose that I have formulated this opinion. This is my opinion um, based on whatever information that I have that there is this dark side to it. And I guess, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm just sharing about what's what, where I'm coming from. And I suppose I do have this kind of like, I, I could be wrong, Um but like this, this militancy, Pegasus won't be surprised. I think that's sort of like, you got to just come into the program and keep your head down and do this thing. You don't need to go to rehab, whatever. I'm not going to share that. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be intolerant. I want to be loving and accepting. And, but that's somewhere in the back of my mind, if I'm completely honest, you know, I think some people need a lockdown. They need to be locked down to to lose the access, the ready access. That's a good point. And in some of the programs, uh, I don't want to mention any names, but, you know, there's a couple of really prominent ones here in San Francisco. And uh, one of them, they do put you on lockdown for 30, sometimes 60 days and, and, you know, no access to phones or the Internet. Um, I think supervised access to the Internet to send email to your family, Um, but no going outside. Uh, you know, you're pretty much just confined to quarters and then, you know, then they let you off it and boom, you can go out to meetings for a couple of hours. It's neat. Right. Yeah. No, when you mentioned that, actually, I think to myself, like I could definitely, I mean, even today (laughs) in my life or irrespective of sobriety, I could use a lockdown where I'm not glued to my phone. So (laughs) I, I see great benefits for that, uh, from recovery or otherwise about being present and connecting with what matters and not having distractions and not being around unsafe environments. So you make a good case there. Where's your willpower, son? Oh, man. (laughs) I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
whoever whoever and wherever you are out there you gotta watch this john oliver thing and pegasus you gotta watch it uh, because he also has this hilarious ad from the 1980s with a very young brandy carlisle saying that she just just quit i just quit and then he comments that like after the ad she was like on coke for 20 years and, and was like i'm surprised i didn't lose my nose i'm just like horribly you know paraphrasing Ouch. or not so horribly paraphrasing john oliver's like i'm not even into his show but i love that because i love the topic but uh, yeah being on lockdown i can see that I mean, from my own personal experience i mean i do share on rare occasion that my ex my quote rehab type experience or lockdown experience was that my dad played the the biggest role um i had a lot of support from some friends sisters some friends where i was and and definitely um an inner circle sort of tight-knit group that was really helping me out when i hit bottom and tr was trying to get my act together and um in a very you know yeah desperate situation and had to really be yeah yeah anyways but my dad was like the biggest part of that and really like my dad was my lockdown and rehab he was like my warden um he kept his eyes on me 24 7 mm. for i think a week to 10 days maybe up to 10 days 24 7 i mean we slept in the same room he ch chaperoned me to he came he took me to my first meet my first uh, one two three four meetings and uh, he didn't know anything about what was going on, but it was advised to us. So he brought me to that. I would go for a swim. Hydrotherapy. I was going <laughs> for a swim because I love that. And he took me to the pool and stayed there. And he was just like, I'm not letting you out of my sight. And I suppose it was unspoken. But now learning about this condition and the solution and the problem, I look back and I think like, dude, I would have drunk. I would have drank. You know, oh, yeah. that was my yeah. rehab, you know, uh, and we couldn't afford it. You know, he looked into it because he thought he might have to go back from work. He didn't know how much time he could take off from work to look out for me. Mm -hmm. And so he did research it. And he was like, I think he found something that I don't know what the duration was, but it was like $10,000. And he's like, oh, dude, we can't afford that. <laughs> so so he's like, all right, I just talked to my boss and I got 10 days and 10 days off work. And then, and and then we're going to figure out your stuff. And we did, and then I actually moved back home in with them, which was, that was my sober living environment because my parents don't really drink. Oh, your parents don't and, party. Uh, they definitely don't. Uh, they have never partied. Really? <laughs> um, I mean, I think my dad in his youth, I shouldn't say that. My dad in his youth before like marriage and family, I, I'm sure he had fun like with his family, brothers, cousins, um, and you know. Uh, that kind of stuff, like maybe having some smokes, drinking, whatever. But um, but he like, yeah, I've never seen. I suppose I've seen him party at weddings, like enjoying dancing and stuff like that. But I'm not even sure that he would have been one drink deep at those weddings. So it was a really safe environment for me. So no, it's actually interesting musing about this topic that I think is controversial or this industry, because that was my equivalent. Oh, I see. Was sort of like my family <laughs> Uh, looking out for me and bringing them back into the fold into the home. And that was a safe environment. And I stayed there for quite a while. <laughs> like I was there for years. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I was at home for years uh. and maybe I probably could have left after a year, <laughs> but, but 
Well, you took it seriously, it sounds like. Yeah, you know what? Your family took it seriously. That's great that you had that kind of support. Not everyone everyone gets that. No, that's true. I have to be grateful for it. And absolutely true. You hear all kinds of horrendous situations that people have come from. And I just don't know how these people, the insurmountable odds, I don't know how these people are so courageous and get it and work hard and have that, you know, some people divine inspiration or self-inspiration or inspiration from your our fellows um you know people hit their bottom sometimes their families have had enough of them and they ju- they're just like you're out get out of here and they realize oh i'm at the end of my rope i've got no no support no money no family i've got to figure something out here and so out of desperation people start getting it um you know that's basically the situation i was in is uh I uh, I had hit bottom and wasn't, um, uh, you know, I kind of made myself uh, un undesirable uh, to family and friends, and so I <laughs> I needed to get uh, I needed to figure it out on my own, and I and I did, you know. Sometimes we do that too. How about a little musical interlude? How Is about this, a little uh, straight edge? Yeah, great. It's four, right? Oh, hey, guys. Massive attack. Oh, wait, minor threat. Minor threat. <laughs> Massive attack or minor threat? Ooh. So uh, we're back. Thanks for listening to that. That is the origination of Straight Edge, and thanks to my sister for introducing me to that, and thanks to Pegasus for confirming, um, because Pegasus lived through that. I also just want to <laughs> – my mom is texting me. She loves the show. She listens to it. I hopefully she's not our one and only listener, but I suppose that would be fine because she just said, in addition to do not repeat one thing too many times, um, she did say, love you tons, mom, but nice topic. Both of you today. I admire the talk show. Very nice. Thumbs up emoji. Cool. And she also said this is like, I suppose emotional or I have to be grateful. She said it has been therapeutic for myself listening to you guys because I'm learning a lot about you know the serious topic that you guys are covering um so that's uh I won't well, read, I won't read the rest of it mom. shout out to Jay Quillen's ma yeah that's Sh- cool shout out to Stephanie Sh- oh shoot I'm blowing cover there oh uh, my god shout out to who uh, that was a shout out to model 167b or sorry, one six seven eight, and uh, shout out to um, Madison, and shout out to Shadow Lady, Lady, Sh- Shadow Lady, and Bob. Bob, shout out to Bob. Bob, um, uh, 
Uh, we're the only ones here tonight. And shout out to my friend in Austin, if she's listening. If you are listening, just as we talked earlier, uh, you might not be. It might be too late. The number to call in, friend from Austin, who we may identify if you call in at your discretion, the number to call in is 415-550-0511. Call us and, uh, hey, talk to us about uh, your experiences with um, with uh, booze and the powdered booze and all that kind of stuff, I think. Or down if we that's are we still the, that's where the high fish wine comes from oh interesting but then i think you we lose us then we're now we're gone no no that's just that board oh we're we're still on oh great yeah i mean every show i've been listening to has has had this i thought it was just us it's i wanted to talk to the station folks about that actually um but it's bad uh, wiring i would say Okay, well... Or some blown component in one of these ancient Altec Lansing... Thanks, Pegasus. ...mixing boards. Well, I, at some point, we got to hunt it down and eliminate the cause. Oh, um, you're right. That's great, because that controls... Yeah, I gotcha. Oh, man, that is so good, because, yeah, I've been listening to these. Um, I guess while music's playing, it doesn't... Yeah. Know, it doesn't matter as much, and we can just turn that, that those sliders down when we're not listening to music, which is most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, but... Um, so, so we were talking rehab. No, just like, yeah, support from family, um, rehabs versus, you know, DIY. This was a DIY rehab. That's what, that was, that's basically what happened. Um, cost effective DIY bootstrapped rehab and I have to be grateful for it. And I am not, I have to be, I am. Um, and so that was something of interest. And also I was, um, I've been hanging out in the, shall we switch gears a little bit or? Oh, I was just, uh, flipping through a list of celebrity celebrities that have gone through rehab and it's an entirely unsurprising list. Like, you know, names that you would expect to be on it are on it. <laughs> Dennis Rodman, Gary Busey, Heidi Fleiss, Jamie Foxworth, Jeff Conaway, uh, 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 Lisa D'Amato, Mackenzie Phillips. I mean, you know, people. This is this is public information, folks. Public information. <laughs> um, it's not like you have to engage in a a request for information. What is that called? Public information request that people have to do to the government when they want documents that are sealed. FOIA request. Yeah. Something like freedom, freedom Freedom of information act. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and that came up in John Oliver too. Uh, he was saying that like, it's very hard to access any complaints that have been made against rehabs and that, that you would actually, I'm taking him at his word folks again, that you would have to do that freedom of information, whatever request and wait months to get all these documents and sift through them to find out, you know, any negative experiences people have had or reported. Um, I'm taking him at his word. Oh, from the FDA or something along those lines. F S I P C F. FINRA, <laughs> like all these SIPC, uh, what, FDIC. Well, you know, they're a comedy. John Oliver is a comedy program, but they they do actual journalism and research. And it's, um, you know, sometimes they, I mean, it's they always dig up something funny, but it's also sad and 
depressing news as well. But they they do their research, they dig, and they they come up with stuff. And they uh, I don't know that they've ever been involved in a a lawsuit over a FOIA request that was denied by the government, but it wouldn't surprise me to learn that they got had. it. Okay, okay. Anyways, uh, what are we shifting gears to? Oh well, I was gonna say I'm just thinking about basically like what's been on my mind or what I've been up to recently. And, um, inevitably guys, it all relates to recovery, <laughs> everything. Um, my whole, my whole life is predicated on recovery. Um, so I, uh, I've been, what's all the commotion out there? Hey, it's probably, it's probably a bunch of drugs. <laughs> like, um, it's but, Friday night in the mission. District. It's Friday night. Na, 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 na. What a night. <laughs> um, so I was, uh, I've been nights. hanging out in the TL weekly doing some, uh, community service. Tooting my horn. Toot, toot. Um, oh yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm actually going to say that I think it's good to, some people are like, community service volunteer toot your horn shamers and i actually think that like if you don't if you're not too pompous about it or really at all but you're sharing it um with people when it's relevant that it's actually good because you may actually inspire other people to engage in community service because in this in san francisco i mean well, anywhere, but well, maybe not anywhere. I mean, San Francisco, we have a big drug problem, um, and uh, and the TL's like not looking that good. And I, I suppose it hasn't been for a long time. And I don't know. People say that it's all getting worse or whatever. I don't know. That's what I hear. But I'm hanging out there of late, weekly, and um, I'm uh, I'm starting to snap some photos as well. Just just happened organically, so I think I'm just going to continue doing that. Um, just. Uh, engaging in my observations musings sharing that um maybe on on social media or with friends and stuff because it's just giving me some pause but it's, it's interesting to see all the stuff that's going on and there's like there's hella hip coffee shops in the tl there's great restaurants there's also people hunched over sleeping on the sidewalk there's at least a couple 24-hour diners in, okay. in the TL. Well, and I guess the Tender Knob. Oh, really? Um, yeah, there's the Pine. Oh, Pine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I don't, sorry, I don't remember. I didn't mean to cut you off. I don't remember the name, but I know that one. That's uh, the one that's getting closer to like the quote hotel district yeah. in Square. Yeah, yeah. At, yeah, Night Owl or something is nearby, I think. Um, yes, I have been there once. Blast blitzed. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so hanging out there, walking around, just spending some time. I went to, um, last week when I was there for my commitment, I, uh, I made the mistake of driving. It was a huge mistake. Huge mistake. Where would you park it? Yeah, I parked it. I found one space. I was circling around for half an hour <laughs> and I found one space. It was metered, put money in the meter and it was only good for two hours. So I stepped away from my commitment, went to go repark the car, spent another half hour looking for a spot, and I ended up parking in the same spot. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, if they chalk my tires, I hope it rubbed away. Oh, or I man. was just, it got me thinking about like, well, how do they assess? You know what? I, okay. So here's my question. Do now. they chalk tires anymore? Well, okay. I have a number of questions. If it says two hours only at this meter, right? 
I put the money. I moved it at two hours. Now, can I go park at another meter on the same block? Can I park in another meter on the same street? Can I circle around for half an hour and park at that same meter? You know what? I don't get, I don't get it for another two hours. Talk to a meter maid. Find out. Lovely Rita, meter maid. Where would I be without you? Dee 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 doo doo da da dee dee dee. So um so then I made the mistake of parking, but that gave me some flexibility when I had some time after the commitment. I had some time on the meter, so I went to Shalimar, one of my favorite restaurants of all time. Um and man, walking through the TL, going to Shalimar, yeah, I saw all kinds of stuff. Um, there's a lot of community centers and, and outreach and stuff as well. You see that a lot of buildings. There's also like all kinds of crazy liquor stores, um, restaurants, obviously housing, all kinds of different housing, um, people do all kinds of different people on the street. I saw, I see, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised, but now having spent some, a couple months there weekly, I see drug dealing happening in broad daylight at all the at all these intersections. Oh yeah. I'm seeing the guy I'm walking. I'm walking past at the intersection with one guy who has a wad of cash in his hand and the other guy who just got the product, right? I'm just <laughs> walking between them, just minding my own business, you know. It's it can be an open air drug mart there. It's kind of amazing. I mean, depressing too. It's, uh, yeah, there's some dedicated drug addicts living right there in the TL. But you know what? Talking to my mom, I've been talking to everybody about recovery and sobriety and addiction lately. Talking to my mom earlier today, she mentioned something interesting on, on that note. And that was, I was telling her about my experiences in the TL and she has some familiarity with it, but obviously she's like, I don't know. She's probably spent like an hour in the TL in her life, but, um, but um, she was saying, well, what about what about the truffle man in Dolores Park? You know, the truffle man in Dolores Park has Yelp reviews. He has like five stars on Yelp. He's a drug dealer. <laughs> you know, like, wait, truffles aren't drugs. No, these truffles are drug infused truffles. The, the truffle man is 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 uh, selling has been selling for a decade. As far as I know, um, drug truffles. uh Hey, I'm not saying I know from personal experience, okay? Oh, you're talking about uh, chocolate truffles, yeah, not, like, not the fungus. Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Chocolate truffles that are infused with, well, perhaps psilocybin and perhaps uh-huh. mescaline and perhaps uh, MDMA and perhaps uh, THC. Um, well, if he has a positive Yelp review, then... He yeah. has, like, guys, go look at the Truffle Man in Dolores Park on Yelp. He's positively reviewed. That guy's a drug dealer. You know, why am I ma- why am I angry at these drug dealers in the TL? This guy is drug dealing with impunity in Dolores Park. I'm just saying this. I'm, yeah, I'm just sparking this, you know, question. <laughs> like, yeah, because there's classes of drugs and there's socioeconomics behind... Who gets to use it? And and the police turn, you know, are, are fine with all the well, ne'er-do-wells in, in Dolores Park consuming any drug that they want to be, drinking open container. Well, often they're like young tech bros and tech, 
yeah. ladies uh, and me. hanging out and having their San Francisco experience where they're, you know, they're getting blasted in Dolores, famous Dolores Park, Upper Playground, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, like they're having the, like people come from all over the world to experience San Francisco and there they are getting to sample the best from the truffle dude. Dolores Park, Drug Central, just like the TL. Oh, my mom asked. She says, where is Shadow Lady and Madeline and Bob? Madison. Only you and Pegasus. She sounds disappointed. (laughs) Well, you know, it is good hearing those other voices. uh, They do bring something. And uh, she says, oh, she, my parents, I took them to Dolores Park like a year ago. And, and my dad was just fascinated. We, we spotted the truffle man. We were at a higher vantage up higher on the hill and he was just doing his thing. And my dad was like, whoa, really? And, um, and we were obviously like, we were at the top on the bench getting the great view and people were all smoking pot. And, um, and I was just joking around with my dad and then, oh, that's the truffle man. And I explained things and, um, yeah, my, my mom asked where the other regulars are, and then she also says, in Dolores Park, regular people are doing all the drugs, including tech pros, I think she meant tech bros, and doctors and businessmen with truffles and drugs. <laughs> I took a video, and I took pictures of it, of the truffle man. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. <laughs> my, my parents, Investigative journalist. My parents took all kinds of pictures of the truffle man, because they were so fascinated. How funny. With him, like, just cool. impu- dealing with impunity. But you know what? I mean, then, of course, it's like, I don't know, man. Somehow, whatever is happening in the TL seems bad and sad. And whatever's happening in Dolores Park we, seems fine. Is it? Yeah. Is that because is that a classist thing? Is it a socioeconomic thing? Oh. We don't we don't like the people who are, you know, buying the drugs in, in the TL. So we're less likely to you know to express that kind of libertine philosophy towards them well i think you know what i gotta say there's gotta be something look i'm just shooting from the hip i i'm living life by the seat of my pants i'm uh you know i don't know what i'm talking about but there's got to be institutional racism classism there's all this stuff going on but i do think after thinking about this and talking about it with my mom and roommate today I do think we're also talking about the actual drugs which are being consumed. You know, my impression is that in the TL, you're probably looking at heroin and meth primarily. Mm -hmm. And in Dolores Park, you're probably not looking at heroin and meth. Oh, that's a good (laughs) point. And so I do think that while I'm sure that all this stuff has to do with all kinds of oppression and racism and stuff. Uh-huh. I think that's probably the big delineator in this ta- in this sort of no, that's a good situation. Point. There's probably a fair amount of weed and uh, mushrooms, drugs. weed mushrooms, maybe peyote or mescaline. Yeah. Um, badger, 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 mushroom, mushroom, mushroom. Remember that was like the first meme. No idea what you're talking uh, about. It was like a flash animation. Oh, okay. Um, hey, dating myself. Yeah. Dating myself too, because I can't get any dates out there. Um, 415-550-0511. You're listening to High Spirits on MutinyRadio.fm. Give this man a date. Oh, yeah. Jay Quellen <laughs> needs it. Needs the love. So, uh, yeah, experiences in the TL. 
So just lots of interesting stuff. There was a guy who um, a couple of weeks ago I saw had like, you know, uh, something like a tinfoil hat on legit and then was crouched over doing stuff with his bike, which was placing bagels with cream cheese like in the spokes of the bike in addition to tassels and other colorful things well that seems like a you know an efficient way to transport your bagels yeah coffee meets bagel y'all um so i was like yeah okay well there's something going on with this guy i don't know i just i just shoot from the hip i'm like it's schizophrenia or something Whoa, what is that a picture a of? A friend of mine took a wow. picture of of this oh. contraption in a park in the mission recently. Okay, I'm I looking. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it wasn't Dolores, but it starts over here. What is that? It's uh that's like a foil lined uh like cigar holder or something that go it's that's going into an airline like one of those little air airline you know booze bottles oh yeah and and so there's one two three Hmm. four five six seven eight (laughs) nine of these little airline you know one shot bottles that have holes drilled in them that are screwed into each other and then sealed and it's like the ouroboros of of crack pipes or something it was just the most uh unusual looking contraption and what what was it for is it was it for crack or meth or heroin it's really hard to tell but it looked like it looked like it was constructed with care and precision like every joint is drilled with some what looks to be a drill and then sealed over with some kind of electrical tape it's wow unusual that is Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that is interesting. It's like seen on the streets of San Francisco. Anyway, I hope all of you listeners at home were able to visualize. Uh, Pegasus is quite good at Pictionary, uh, or wait, what is it? Not uh, charades, right? Or I don't know. Wait, what is it? Life is but a charade. <laughs> um, oh, all of uh, 